Hello, this is Edie. Before we get started, I wanted to make sure you knew first how much we appreciate you, and that in honor of Teacher Appreciation Week, right now at Heinemann.com, you can get 15% off and free shipping on all Heinemann professional books. This offer runs until May 11th. Head on over after the episode. Some restrictions apply. See the website for details. With schools across the country closing for weeks, possibly months, how do we keep our math learning going for our K-5 students? I'm Brett from Heinemann. Like all of you, we're also getting used to this new way of learning. Our hope on the Heinemann blog and the Heinemann podcast is to create a resource that can help you during this time. On today's podcast, my colleague Josh talks with author Sue O'Connell, lead author of Math and Practice. Josh started by asking Sue what our goals for math learning should be during the closures. Well, right now we're kind of frantically trying to figure out how to send materials home or what home learning looks like. I think it's important to remember that when we talk about sending schoolwork home, we're not talking about school as usual in the home. We're not planning for six hours of learning opportunities every day for every child. I I think one important thing is first, I I heard someone talking about Maslow before Bloom to remind us that, you know, we need to first make kids feel safe and then we want to give them some normalcy. And for a child, normalcy is some kind of learning activity. So I think we're trying to figure out ways to get kids reading writing, doing some math every day while they're home, along with creative activities, outdoor play, music, other fun activities. And those could be either through technology or face-to-face, parent-child or siblings doing those activities together. That's going to depend on the resources within each home. But I hope we're not thinking that our goal is to send home lengthy packets and have basically, you know, parent school at home that looks like it would in a school setting. This is something completely different. Right. You know, I wonder, obviously, like you talked a little bit about the environment that we're in. And we know teachers are certainly feeling some intensity around this pressure as they try to figure out how to navigate this How do you think, uh, you know, what have you heard from teachers that you've talked with about how they're feeling and how that impacts their planning around school closings? There's a great deal of anxiety right now. I, I think teachers are certainly stressed professionally, but we have to remember they're also stressed about their own families. They're concerned for their own children. They're concerned for their students. They're concerned not just for their students' math learning, but for their students' ability to get lunches or who's going to take care of them at home or whether they're going to have exposure to the virus themselves. And then remembering, too, that teachers like to be planned and prepared for things. And most of us were really taken off guard with this. We can't send the lessons that we prepared for a classroom home. We need to rethink what it looks like to send something home to allow for learning opportunities. And that's all very anxiety provoking. And then you add in there teachers who may not feel that comfortable with the whole distance learning or technology pieces. um, And that adds one more layer of anxiety. 
So if teachers have a little bit of time to prepare, whether it's that their school districts have given them a day or two to prepare or their schools haven't closed yet, but they're expecting it to happen at some point soon, what do you think about prioritizing in terms of how they might want to think about that planning? Well, there are a few ways I guess I can answer that question. One has to do with prioritizing curriculum kind of pieces because teachers are professionals and we know we can't be replaced by an app or a worksheet. So we can't reasonably think you can send a worksheet home or tell kids to get on an app and it's going to teach the way a teacher would do it. So maybe schools and districts need to think about the math curriculum and the topics that are coming up and maybe reorder, reprioritize some of those for some topics that would work better at home. I'm thinking things like um, money and time and learning about shapes or measurement. Those are things that are less stressed to ask a parent to step in with or to feel as though an app or a website or a video might be able to support kids to learn that. So maybe thinking about, you know, is there a way we can reorganize our standards so that we're sending home things that are going to be more effective as home activities? Or are there skills that just need practice at a certain level? Could we send practice tasks home, you know, to support skills that we've already taught? I'm thinking of things like mastering math facts. That's always a priority at the K-5 to level. This would be a great time to do activities that reinforce and practice skills that have been taught already in the classroom. One of the problems is we have a couple things going on across the country. I heard this morning, 36 out of 50 states have have school closures going on. So we've got two different scenarios going at the same time. We have teachers who are still in school and may have a few more days to prepare. And we have teachers that their schools have already been closed down. So they're thinking about it in, you know, they're responding to this need in two different ways. For those who are still in school, I think it would be important to find out what kind of technology students and parents have. Do they have computers? Do they have tablets? Do they have phones? Do they have internet? To know whether technology is even an option. And then teachers would have a few days to prepare a list of, you know, assemble some websites or videos to give parents, not a list of 50 of them, because I I feel like we're kind of being overwhelmed lately, but picking a few that really support the math content and the grade level of those students and send those home and take some time to in class before the closures come to help the kids understand how to use those tools. It's a whole different situation if tech is not available, in which case then maybe pulling some of those games out and playing them with kids these last few days, games that support basic skills and sending the games home with the kids when the schools do close with, you know, some dice or spinners or paper clips or whatever they'll need to play these games. Those schools that are still in session have an opportunity to do a little bit of prep and send those things home with students. Um, Not every school's in that situation. Clearly, 36 out of 50 states have already have closed schools. So that's not an option for them to do that kind of prep work. But 
then it's maybe figuring out how to get the word out to students and parents if schools closed quickly, you know, abruptly. I've seen where, um, you know, it's been done through the school website or through mailings to students or through one school had baskets outside the door where kids could come and pick up materials to work with at home. People are being very creative trying to figure out how to get information out when those schools were abruptly closed without things being sent home. Yeah, you talked a little bit about, I want to come back to some of the the really good technology resources, but we've talked about, it's a national conversation about students that don't have access to technology. And you talked a little bit about being able to send things home with students if you're still in school. Do you have any thoughts, any other thoughts about um, what to do for students that don't have access to technologies, what teachers can provide, what parents might be able to do? I think the biggest thing is I just don't think we we want to overwhelm kids with these huge packets of worksheets. I just think it's overwhelming for parents, for for students, and quite honestly, I just don't think they're going to get done. So I think what we want to look for are more interactive tasks, something that feels more like a game or a creative activity. We pulled together some materials from um, John San Giovanni and I wrote Mastering the Basic Math Facts at primary and intermediate levels. And I pulled some of the games from that, which we'll post on our Math in Practice um, website so that whether people have that book or not, they can access some of those types of games. We pulled some games from Math in Practice, games on just some basic math skills, comparing numbers or comparing decimals or something where kids are rolling dice and spinning spinners and doing something a little more engaging. I think we've got more of a shot at really getting kids participating in these tasks when we make them more fun and engaging for them. So those are kind of hands-on pieces. Certainly, if um, schools are still in session, I would really encourage them to try and send some materials home with students, whether it's, you know, something as simple as, you know, some dice or some number cards or maybe even some materials if they felt as though they could spare them some geo boards, some different kinds of cubes or 10 frames or, you know, and then show them just a few of the kind of games and things that we do all the time in the classroom with kids that they can take home and do at home. You know, you you talked about earlier on that the technology sites, the websites and things like that, there's just, there's so many suggestions out there right now. Do you have uh, a couple of those that you think might be particularly helpful for students that do have access to technology? Yes, and actually there there are a lot of sites that don't require memberships ever, but lately some of the sites that do have membership fees or subscription fees are waiving those fees. So you have huge groups like Dreambox is offering a 90-day trial for parents. So kids can use Dreambox at home. And it's a very comprehensive math program that would be great for parents to be able to access at home. Other educational companies like BrainPop and Discovery Education and Manja High, they are offering free subscriptions. But you've got ones that have always been free, Math Playground. And Rich Math, which comes out of the UK and is a wonderful site with lots of great math puzzles and interactive games. Open Middle, Greg Tang's math site, 
that all post free games for kids and the great places at the Math Learning Center has some wonderful apps and virtual manipulatives that kids and parents can go on and get without any kind of fee at all. One thing I'm wondering about is when you think about districts, right? There's a lot of conversations within schools and even within districts, but then as states close their schools down, and so then you have multiple districts kind of dealing with the same issues and questions and needs. What do you think are some ways that districts can be supportive of each other in in a time like this? I think this is the time to share. This is the time to not do things just for your school or your district, but to post it in a way that other people can access it. One great example of that is the San Francisco Unified School District. They developed and released 10 days of math learning for each grade level, K to 5, including student pages, videos. They linked lessons that go with them from sites like NCTM's Illuminations website, or um, some are linked to the Math Learning Center or Math Playground. But they're kind of all pulled together and linked together about a certain math topic. And they went ahead and made that public. And those are the kind of things that really support other districts. That's we're, we're trying on our Math in Practice Facebook group. We're inviting people to get on there and share things that they've done, post sites where, you know, different resources are available. I think this is the time for us to to reach out to everyone else and not just develop materials for our own use, but to open those up for everyone's use. Yeah, finding those ways to share resources together, it seems like will be a huge encouragement to a lot of different people. You know, I think about encouragement, I also think about parents and parents who are now going to act in some ways as teachers for their students and kind of be doing some of this planning and thinking along with what the schools are sending home, what are some tips that teachers can give to parents who are going to be supporting learning at their home, whether it's through technology or not? One of the things that I've seen suggested a lot in the last few days is the idea of creating some kind of schedule for the day. And I don't think the intent there is to mean to really overschedule things, but just to make sure that there is time for creative time and game time, time for reading, time for writing, time for math, all kind of as a part of the day. And when I think about the math pieces, I think about the ways we can integrate things like games into their math learning. It's amazing how many board games have a strong math component to them. When you think about, you know, checkers and chess and mastermind and connect for and all the logic that goes in those games um, or battleship. It's, it's a coordinate grid activity or uh, Candyland or sorry or shoots and ladders where kids are counting, you know, as they're moving around boards or all the games where kids have to keep score, play some card games, play rummy, play Yahtzee and have the kids keep the score. Um, Play card games like war. War is just comparing numbers from one to 10. So really encouraging parents to see the math in everything around them and make sure that they're keeping math fun and engaging for their kids. I think about things like carryout menus. So you've got the carryout menu 
let's figure out the cost of what we're going to order together or the grocery ads that come in the mail you know let's let's take those and use those to do some math um, cook recipes let's talk about the fractions in the recipes as we're cooking something together or for the little ones count everything grab the forks and and spoons out of the drawer and you know have them count up how many of all different things you have in the house there are just so many opportunities for math within our homes within games within all of these real world math connections that we see i i just think we want to make sure that parents aren't feeling like this needs to be you know a teacher student kind of more formal math lesson, that math lessons can happen in some of the most fun things that they're doing during the day. And that's really what we want. We will post this on the Math in Practice site too. In, in Math in Practice, every year April is Math Month. And so what we did is put a calendar together of just some fun parent-child little activities and discussions that they could do for 30 days in April. And I think that this is just a great time for us to make those public, there's 30 different parent-child discussions or problems or quick math activities. There's a calendar for each grade level, K to 5. So if you have a second grade student, you can grab it and see 30 different just at-home discussions or problems or math that you could talk about or do. So we'll put those on the website, too, so that parents can take a look at those and get some ideas of just everyday math that you can do with your children. This isn't about, you know, drills and grading and plowing through worksheets. It's really about, you know, revisiting and practicing math, talking about math, but also at the same time, remembering that everyone's going through a pretty tough time right now and that we all have families and our own children or relatives that we're concerned about. And the last thing we want to do is overburden or overstress teachers or parents. So I would say to teachers, you know, you don't have to do 50 things. You may see, I know we're posting all of this long list of possibilities you could do. I would say pick a few that you think will make a difference for your students, and those are the ones that you share, not giving people long lists. We're just giving you lots of options so you can find what, what connects with you or what you think will connect with your students, but we don't want you to pass those long lists on. We don't want to overwhelm anyone. And most importantly, I think, just to remember that, yes, we believe math learning is so important and needs to continue to happen every day, but that children's physical and emotional health is also just as important. And so, you know, there's a time to work and a time to play. And we just want to make sure in each day, you know, there's a little bit of mathematics going on, but there's lots of time for, you know, the reading, the writing, the playing, the talking, and the helping the kids, you know, just feel safe and happy. Our thanks to Sue O'Connell for her time and thinking. You can learn more about the links Sue mentioned on mathinpractice.com or you can visit blog.heinemann.com. And while you're on the blog, we'll also be sharing resources from other Heinemann authors for educators related to COVID-19. If you have something you'd like to share with us or if you have a need or a question related to something that can help during this situation, you can email us at socialmedia at Heinemann.com or tweet us at 
Heinemann Pub, or you can message us on our Facebook or Instagram pages. The Heinemann Podcast is a production of Heinemann Publishing. It is produced and edited by Steph George, sound mixing by Steph George. Our creative producer is Lauren Audette, and our executive producer is me, Brett Whitmarsh. To learn more about the Heinemann Podcast, visit blog.heinemann.com. Thanks for listening.